Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Brownie Points. I'm Dan. I'm Nick. And this is the podcast where a guy with a film degree. And a guy who wishes his Roku would have broke. <laughs> Talk to you about movies this week for our first review of our 100th week on the air. We went to HBO Max and we checked out the brand new film, The Little Things. That review coming up now on this episode of Brownie Points. All right, everybody, here it is, the second film to debut exclusively on HBO Max from the Warner Brothers deal, The Little Things. It is directed by John Lee Hancock, and it's also written by him as well. You're right. <laughs> You're right. I knew you were going to like his name. <laughs> I can't believe... I can't believe our founding father directed this movie. Right. <laughs> he put his Hancock all over the screenplay. Um. <laughs> John, John Foot Penis? It's Hancock now. Why? Why don't you mind your business? That's why. <laughs> uh, this, I can't take credit for that. This guy. <laughs> That's not my joke. This guy uh, not only wrote and directed this movie, he is known for uh the oh i already uh, dennis quaid the dennis quaid film the, his huge signature on the declaration of independence yes yes that too um uh, film wise he's known for the rookie the alamo the blind side wait 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 which the rookie the one with dennis quaid okay that explains a ton of this movie yeah, um, but like I was saying, also the Alamo. I like I look I I like the rookie, but mostly because it's a baseball movie. But that movie has a huge pacing problem, similar to what this one has. I I haven't seen the rookie, or if I did, I was a little kid, so I I'll just go out and just say I more or less haven't. Uh, <laughs> but I have seen The Blind Side, and I hate that movie. I think it is stupid. I think it's tropey. I hate everything about Sandra Bullock's character, and I really don't like that it got her an Oscar. Um, I, uh, I've i only seen that movie one time, and I, it was when we were in high school. I actually never like chose to watch the movie. I was just in a class, and they showed it. I, I saw it in the theater, and I was not happy when it was over. Um. <laughs> Are you happy that Jesse James cheated on her? I no no I don't I don't dislike her that much. Damn. <laughs> Talk about putting you in a corner. You're like, oh god. I mean, I don't like her, but God. I forgot that story. Thank you for reminding me about uh, about that. Uh, <laughs> um, but also, it's I, uh, the the last two titles I'll say are um, uh, the founder, which I do really like, the Michael Keaton movie about McDonald's. I love that movie actually. It's all right. Um, and then Saving Mr. I like I like it more than I dislike it, but I don't really love it. Uh, and then Saving Mr. Banks. Uh, didn't you and Kelsey watch that, or did you watch the other Christopher Robin? Or, or no, that's, that doesn't have to do with Christopher Robin, does what it? Is, Am what I getting is this saving, mixed up? What is, what is Saving Mr. Banks about? Uh, it's got Tom Hanks in it, and... Um... Oh, it's the author of Mary Poppins. It doesn't have to do with Winnie the Pooh. Never mind. <laughs> we watched Christopher Robin, then. I thought this had to do with Winnie the Pooh, like uh, the the Ewan McGregor movie. Never mind. <laughs> no, I did watch that. I like that movie. <laughs> I thought you watched this one too. I haven't seen I haven't seen Christopher Robin or Saving Mr. Banks. Fun, fun fact about my uh, theater experience watching Christopher Robin. This actually has nothing to do with our audience, but I watched it 
I think we watched it on a Thursday night. This is before the show. Um, we went and saw it in a theater on a Thursday night, and I was wearing gym shorts, and my wallet fell out of my pocket, and I drove home from the theater the full, like, this was a theater that was closer to my house than the, the main one that I would see movies at for the show. And I got home, realized I didn't have my wallet, called the theater and was like, hey, I'm 15 minutes away and I, and I can tell you where I was sitting in this theater. Can you tell me if my wallet's there? And they're like, oh, yeah, it's here. So shout out to uh, whoever the people were working at that theater like three or four years ago uh in west lafayette indiana because i got my wallet because of you because you chose to stay uh 15 minutes late so thank you you lost your wallet when we saw tenant too you have a problem with keeping your I wallet lose, i lose my wallet a lot in theaters <laughs> like as as poor of a fashion choice as it is to have a wallet chain i might be the reason that like they stay around i honestly need one i remember we were literally in your house and you go oh crap we have to go back <laughs> yeah i was like we have to go back why i lost my wallet and i think i think you're like really and then we told kelsey and she's like again <laughs> this, this is, is a good half an hour after we saw tidit too <laughs> yeah god that was funny um but yes oh yeah beer pop oh yeah there it is <laughs> almost forgot I had my beer popped per usual pre-tape. I was so wrapped up in my wallet story. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yes, where uh, where are we at? Actors. The actors that are in this. This was all over the ads. Three Academy Award winners. Denzel Washington, who has two Oscars for Glory and Training Day. Rami Malek. He only has two Oscars? Yeah, Glory and Training Day. That's all. Wow, Academy, you suck. He's got two. <laughs> Uh, he, uh, or not he. People like Tom Brady are appearing in their 10th Super Bowl, and Denzel Washington only has two best act or Oscars or whatever. He, he's been nominated for way more than that, though. He freaking should. I don't, I haven't seen that many of his movies, but he has the highlight of every single movie he's in. Oh, for sure. 100%. Uh, the, the other actor, Rami Malek, he just won his Academy Award uh, uh, two years ago, I think, maybe a year. I, I can't remember, but and, it was it was it was Bohemian Rhapsody, and that movie's terrible. And and he is a pretty big talking point of something that goes on with this movie. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and he. I mean, no offense. I'll, I'll give you. I'll give you a hint. I'll give you a hint. It's not a positive note. Yeah, and he okay. I'll, uh, and he, it's not his fault. He wasn't the reason I disliked bohemian rhapsody but the fact that that movie's now you can call bohemian rhapsody in general an academy award winner makes me sad because that movie sucks um but anyway but it doesn't matter because <laughs> and then of course bringing up the rear jared leto he won his academy award the same year matthew mcconaughey did because they both won for dallas buyers club which is a great movie uh just like training day and glory there those are great movies uh skip bohemian rhapsody kind of like how for my hot take i'll just put it like this you can skip the little things uh this movie <laughs> this movie's not great it's yep it's got a lot of really interesting things going on in the screenplay like honestly like you saw this before me and i was kind of not hooked but i was pretty intrigued with it during the first roughly 45 maybe a whole half of this movie the whole first hour so, like i was, so I was kinda, interesting mm -hmm. interesting fact 
I listened to Lights, Camera, Barstool's review of it, and I also talked with someone that I work with who saw the movie before I did, and also the things that I saw on the internet, as well as what you just said and what I will say. I thought the first 45 minutes to an hour was decent. I thought it was okay. The problem is, once you get past that time frame, that's when it becomes a problem. Like, I actually remember, I was like, what is everyone complaining about? This isn't like... Yeah, it's not a perfect movie, but it's not that bad. And then you get past the halfway point, and you're like, all right, now I get it. Now I'm kind of tired of this. Well, it kind of shifts drastically. Like, it's a really interesting kind of... It's a really interesting mystery, and I want to know what happened to Denzel, and I want to... I, I'm kind of on board with all of this interpersonal, like, what the hell did he do? But then the second half of the movie, when it really turns into just kind of a... Well, I, I won't spoil what it is until we get in the spoilers, but when it really transitions into the second half, which is when Jared Leto shows up, I, that's not a spoiler, but when he shows up for the second hour of the movie, the movie kind of shifts into something else entirely, and it gets way less interesting, way slower, and I I gotta go through the ending with you. Obviously, those of you who have seen it, pretty big twists happen in the, in the last five, ten minutes of the movie that we will break down, but it's... I don't know. This movie just really kind of felt like a whiff. Like, it's better than The Blind Side. I'd rather watch this than The Blind Side again. But I guess that's apples and oranges. Um, in terms of mysteries, I mean, it's... I, I There's so many better mystery I've, movies. There's so many better I've got, cop I've movies. Got a genuine, mm-hmm. I've got a genuine question for you. This, this is not a leading question, and this is not sarcasm. Have you seen Seven? Oh, yeah. I love Seven. Yeah. Okay. I have never seen Seven. I, I do want to put that out there before we start, like, start in-depth diving into this movie. I have not seen Seven. But I did not need to see Seven to get the idea that this movie heavily was influenced by the movie Seven. Yeah, there was I, I, I it, that really didn't dawn on me until after the fact. Like when I, re- I, 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 I remember watching the trailer and I was like, oh my god, this looks like Seven, except it's more modern, like a more modern one. Because I know I know a lot of the twists in Seven because it you know it's a however many twenty something year old movie it it's been spoiled for me. Oh yeah yeah. Um, I think it was like ninety seven or ninety five somewhere around there. Yeah. So it um Seven you know it's been spoiled. It's not super in the shadows for me. So I know a lot of stuff that goes on in it, but I've not seen the movie. And I was just watching this movie and I was like, man, this feels like. Because the other thing I heard, too, is that this script's been around since the 90s. I'm like, man, this just sounds like a ripoff of Seven that was supposed to come out. Ooh, <clears throat> you you spoiled one of my, my well, my only trivia because it was kind of a pain to try and find anything trivia that was worthwhile about this movie. Uh, but I'll, I'll, read, I'll read you exactly how long ago this movie was written, but... Um, but yeah, no, there, there's definitely seven vibes in it. And that's kind of what the problem is in the second hour is when it kind of really leans into like some things that we've seen done better in seven. Yeah. This movie can really be summed up. I've been listening to some of our older episodes recently because this is our hundredth episode and just kind of see how far we come. And in our Brownie Bite segment, we will kind of do a hundred, uh, our first hundred episode recap type deal. Um, we would have but, done that already because this comes out after. <laughs> yeah, but what but what I'm getting at is, um, I listened to our Triple Frontier review today, and we multiple times in that review say the sentence, "I have seen this done better in other movies," 
And that really is how I would best sum up this movie is you've seen it done better, but this time it's got Jared Leto and Denzel Washington and Rami Malek in it. Yeah. And I, I not to completely poo poo on this movie. I, it's not that anyone's giving bad performances in this Jared Leto coincidentally. No. Jared Leto. The only, the only it, bad technical thing about this movie that I will give it, uh, whoever edited it, edit, edited, Jesus Christ. Whoever put the edit together for this movie, what are you doing? There's a shot where Denzel Washington is getting into a car. There are five cuts. It's like in that Taken movie where Liam Neeson hops a fence and there's 13 cuts. That's what this movie's like with Denzel. Like, there are so many pointless cuts and moves and and back and forth. Like, you remember you remember really Taken way more vividly than I do. <laughs> No, no, no. So, first of all, this is one of the Taken movies I haven't seen. But in that movie, I've seen this clip. It got brought up in, a red, I think, a Red Letter Media uh, video. If it wasn't Red Letter Media, I think it was... Uh... No, actually, yes, I can confirm. It was a Red Letter Media one. Um, I don't remember which one. But there is a scene where um, Qui-Gon Jinn... Liam Neeson. Liam Neeson. Where Liam... <laughs> <laughs> There's a scene in Taken where Qui-Gon Jinn goes to hop a fence and there are like 13 cuts of him jumping over a fence. And they do that in this movie. Denzel Washington has to uh, secret, like after doing something, he has to get in Rami Malek's car. And oh, there's a scene of him okay. approaching. Now I know what scene you're talking about. It's, yeah, it's, yeah, him yeah. Appro- it's him approaching the car from the back. Then it's him approaching the car from Rami, from the driver's side, but he's getting in the passenger side. And then it's a, it's a cut to the door. Uh, door handle being open then it cuts to the door opening then it cuts to him getting in and then it cuts to him sitting down closing the door before he gets in the car too there you was... needed that many cuts before he gets to the car too i did actually notice there was a ridiculous amount of cuts on the the building that he was climbing down to to get to the street i did notice that <laughs> and i like i said i i listened to uh uh, Lights, Camera, Barstool's review. I actually listened to it beforehand because I saw some stuff on the internet about how this movie was kind of leaving people lukewarm. And so I kind of listened to them just to be like, what am I getting into? Um, yeah, I definitely and didn't do that. They said, and they and they <laughs> said, just a heads up, the editing is atrocious in this movie. And I, that is like the technical thing in this movie I want to point out because I had that thought going in. And then once I saw that scene of him getting in that car man oh man did the editing really stick out to me in this movie of holy crap stop cutting shots just you couldn't have had a shot of him walking to the car from the back and then have the camera that's inside the car and it just shows the door open and him sit down and close it that's that's one cut and it makes complete sense right there could have been a (laughs) there could have been more static longer takes that's something i kind of like in mystery thrillers like that like i kind of like letting just the camera sit there and then the actors just kind of do their thing and there is that in this but there is you're right an obnoxious amount of cutting i i had i had a note for this movie that uh at some point there's a huge scene that's supposed to be a big payoff i think it was the interrogation with uh jared leto oh yeah, yeah um I had a note of this feels like some big emotional payoff climax scene. And I feel absolutely no tension in the scene. One, because I don't think the movie does a great job of developing the characters, but two, 
in the editing room, you can dis- you can make or destroy a movie. And for people that know film, that's not news. But for people that are like me that uh, don't study film and are just like, here's my money. Let me watch the movie. Editing can make or destroy a movie. And man, this the editing in this movie destroys it because it takes away all tension. Because if you let shots linger in a slow pull in or you just hold on a shot, it builds tension. of Oh, my God, what's going to happen? But when it's. Cut, 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 cut. You can't get like, you can't build tension because you're constantly changing stuff to where someone is realizing they're comfortable in the fact that there's constant changing. Where in scenes like this, the discomfort comes from the fact that nothing's changing. You're holding on it. You're forced to confront the issue that's in front of you. And this movie will not let you do that. That is an extremely fair point. I... I don't know and if it full sale again. Where is my honorary degree? It's it didn't quite. That wasn't exactly what took me out of it this time. Like, it's kind of I don't know. It was just really the writing that really kind of didn't do it that well for me. Like, there's again, there was. It's really interesting the start, but then it kind of doesn't really amount do you, to. Do anything. you agree that it doesn't develop the characters very well? It kind of. It doesn't really, because no. The, it, it, I mean, yes, I agree with you that no, we kind of okay. meet them at their face value, and then there's not really any arc that they go through, except Rami Malik. Rami Malik does have an arc, but his arc kind of is lazy, is kind of lazy. I, 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 hold on, before we really get more I, into the weeds on this, I think we need to. I, I had a note, I had a note about the character interactions in this movie, and I was like, these characters have relationships because the movie says they do. That's it. That is a good way to put it. Um, I think though we need to throw up the, the the spoiler flag before we get further into it. I think it's pretty clear where we both stand on it. Um, so yeah, for listeners that are not familiar with our rating scale, a contender for one of the best films that we've seen this year is a movie so good that you are a brownie pan filled and covered with sprinkles, icing, and all the fixings on top of it. A pretty good movie overall is a full pan of brownies. A so-so whatever 50-50 is a half pan of brownies. A pretty bad movie with maybe a couple good things going for it. It's a single brownie. And then a movie that is a contender for worst film of the year is a movie so bad you do not even qualify as a brownie. You are a cookie full of raisins. I am just a single brownie. I, there's, there's, there's so, there, it feels like a good first draft of this movie. I would... I, I feel like this movie needed a couple more pass-throughs in editing, maybe another revision or two in the writing. I, I'm not <laughs> sure which one would have fixed it more. The movie but... needed more editing by removing some of the editing. Right, 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 right. Because there's some really interesting, there's some really interesting elements to the story. Everybody gives a pretty decent performance, if not a good performance. I mean, no one's exemplary, but it's it, people are not acting bad. It's not a terrible story, but it's just kind of. I don't know. When the movie was over, I was just like, I I watched a movie. It I don't know. I just it left me kind of empty. It was just okay. I watched another crime thriller. Yeah, and that's kind of sad. Like, I'm I am very much a crime thriller, murder movie type person. Um, in terms of like the movies I like, and this movie should have had me hook, line, and sinker, and it really failed these are the kind of movies I like. And this is like a movie that I should be all over. 
and this movie just tremendously fails. Um, I was never really sucked into it. Um, I think that one of the biggest things that we haven't addressed, we kind of danced around it. Uh, Rami Malek is horribly miscast in his role. It's not so much that he gives a bad acting performance because he acts well. It's just he should not have been that character. Dude, I um, I 100% agree. Like, again, you saw this before me, and you, the one note that you, because when you see a movie before me, you only give me a couple of your notes, and you said Rami Malek is really not right for this movie. You are 100% right. He stuck out like a sore thumb. It's, and to me, it's not that it's a bad character. This was just not the right actor for this role at all. Just nothing, yeah, nothing he... in him s- screamed that he was like a lead detective on this case and like a veteran kind of detective. Like he's too young. He's, he's supposed to be, he's supposed to be like a young veteran detective that feels very grizzled and in control, but at the same time has a lot of stuff to learn. And then you look at Rami Malek and it's like, you don't have that commanding of a presence. He's, he's too, well, he's too young for this, even though this is like the, like given what happens to him at the end, like even still, like it's still too young and just, I, I don't buy him at all when he like talks like bad cop or like the good cop of just like, Hey, I want to help you. Or like, when he's doing the press conference, like we're doing everything that we can to catch this guy. Like I, whenever he's trying to act like a badass, it does, does I, not come off right whatsoever. I just, I kept sitting there thinking, I was like, man, he comes across more as like a serial killer than a guy trying to catch a serial killer. Dude, that is like, yes, yes, yes. A hundred percent. Yes. In his eyes. The look in his eyes is so empty and not empty as in he doesn't care, but empty as in he feels disassociated from his situation. And I don't know if they're supposed to like make him like Jake Gyllenhaal was in uh, Prisoners where, yeah, he seems kind of detached from the situation, but that might help him get through it because he's not overly invested, emotionally invested into this. And also this is his job. So he d- he just kind of uses as going through what his d- job is. You look at Rami Malek and it's like, I think he's going to cut off your leg and beat you with it. Like, his his eyes look disassociated, not from the situation, but just from the world. He's Um, got this this natural resting face of his just doesn't match any emotion that we're supposed to think that the character is feeling. I'm I'm not trying to poke fun at him. I'm really not. But I, I have an honest question. What is up with his mouth? I... I... I swear to God, I thought he was still wearing Freddie Mercury's fake teeth. I really did. <laughs> I don't know. I, like, I genuinely his, don't dude, know. Something is up with it. Something is up with his upper lip. Some, there's something weird about his upper lip. I, I, I don't know. And I've, I don't see, I don't see a lot of his movies. Like I've not seen Bohemian Rhapsody. Uh, and you I've yet to see the James Bond movies in, but just, like I just look at him and I'm like, what is up with you physically? Like, like I said, it, it, he's horribly miscast. It's funny you. Um, it's funny the you talk to him. This movie is terrible. Like we've said, mm-hmm. it's funny I talk about what. It's funny how you were talking about him being a villain when he is the villain of No Time to Die, the new 007 movie. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I found, I found my note. Christ, all the cuts in the editing. There's like five of Denzel getting in the freaking car. Um. Jared Leto, we talk about the movie coming, coming like seeming like it comes to an, 
uh, a completely different like feel once he appears on screen. Um, first of all, what's up with the way he walks in this movie? Second of all, I he's too skinny in the face to have a gut like that. Um, what did you think third, of his? What you think of his prosthetics, by the way? Because he was clearly wearing a prosthetic like nose and cheekbone. They were bad. Okay, thank you. I I thought they were bad. I thought his nose looked super awkward too, and not in like the right kind of way of just like makes this guy extra creepy. I was just like, what? What was wrong with his face to and, begin with? <laughs> so uh, I feel like discussing his character is going to get us into spoilers. So I give this a single brownie as well on our scale. Um, I don't recommend this movie at all. Like I like we said, you get to a point in this movie where you feel like you've seen it done better, and it's because you have watch those other movies um but back to back to jared leto i had a note for when he first gets introduced into the movie let me see because i want to read it because i know what i said but i want to read it verbatim what did i say it was it was it are you talking when uh denzel sees him very briefly in the laundromat or was it after that or not the uh, the, the repair shop not uh, the laundromat that's it's it's around that time I'm just trying. I didn't take a lot of notes in this movie, but I've got one about when Jared Leto first comes on screen. In like a suit. It's Jared. Look at me. I'm so weird. Ooh, I'm weird. Leto. Like <laughs> I, he actually, I, I, he actually didn't his, act that weird on his, set. According I'm to Denzel. Weird. His I'm weird acting in this movie just comes across like what's so weird is i don't ever feel concerned for my safety when he's on screen like whenever i see oh they're crazy people on screen i just look at him I'm like he just needs to be hit in the head with a hammer like he just you just need to punch him and he'll leave you alone i don't feel threatened by his presence and then eventually based on the ending someone in the movie agreed with me because they hit him in the head with a shovel i i i wasn't no, I was a little more off put by him than you, I think, in the way that it wanted me to. I was genuinely like concerned. I was very I was not very worried, but I was like, okay, clearly something's wrong with this guy. Like whether they prove that he did it or not, like something's clearly up with this guy. Like I actually I, I we'll, we'll talk about the actual ending here in Sorry, a second, but that smack was my beer on my mic arm. <laughs> we'll talk about the actual ending here in a sec, but really like up to that point with the way it plays out, like I was I I kind of bought into it. I I it's not one of my favorite performances of his, but he, he when he commit when he commits, I mean, he played this guy pretty creepy in my book. Like, yeah, he's a goofball. Like, he's just a goofy guy and yeah, I'll I'll admit I did laugh at a couple of his one-liners, but I I don't know. He I kind of liked his performance. Like, it's not Golden Globe worthy. Like, spoilers if you saw this morning, he got nominated for a Golden Globe, but I don't I don't think it's that good, but I I thought he was pretty good in this movie just in general. I just want to know what person saw him in this and went award worthy. I probably just the name recognition really. Like if if they actually saw this movie, like nothing nothing's remotely award worthy in this movie really. Like except I'll say the cinematography. I think the cinematography is pretty darn good in this movie. I like the kind of neo noir kind of look of it. <laughs> I've got a question for you uh, with the driving scenes. Yes, the driving CGI was terrible. What did you think of the interior shots when they're driving? Oh my god! I was like, is this an '80s sitcom? Yeah, there was um at night. It wasn't that bad during the day, but when they were driving out to the ranch at oh, night, that oh, was terrible. Oh, I beg to differ. I thought it was 
I thought it was terrible at during daylight. Oh, that's <laughs> that is funny. We're the opposite on that. I like I could tell. Oh no no I agree. I, I agree. It was terrible at night, but I also think it was terrible during the day. Like, just all around. Horrible, horrible, horrible in-car driving scenes. Yeah, they didn't even do, like, I don't know. It would have looked better even if they did, like, the old 40s, like, rear projection. Like, this was just, like, the worst kind of CG overlay. Like, it was, you you could practically see, like, the green fade on the edges of the windows. Like, it looked so crappy. Yeah. <laughs> so bad outside of that though the cinematography was really good i i i outside of that though i thought the movie looked like aesthetically looked pretty good but um yeah back to the the one actor we haven't really talked about that much the one that we haven't really talked about that much is denzel washington we've not really mentioned him all that much and denzel to me his performance is the best i think he oh 100 um in his character um, I think that he seems the most natural. Like it just seems like he is this guy rather than just someone playing this guy. Um, I was very curious why he I wanted like to be the, in this script. I, like until wa- while watching the movie, like I it kind of dawned on me like why he wanted to do this script because like we know that he's got a subsection of his resume that's a bunch of action movies like Man on Fire and The Equalizer and things like that. So watching this character the way his story plays out like he's older he's seen some stuff like this isn't the scene his stuff this is the twilight of his career he's still obsessed with like solving crimes but like because of what he did that cost him his job like that kind of this position that he's in where he's disgraced he's demoted down to just a deputy but he still is just haunted by the ghost of this case that's a really interesting way to just that's the start of this character story in the movie. So when that made sense, I or when that's introduced, it a hundred percent made sense why he wanted to do this movie to me at least. Yeah, I mean, it's a weird movie because there's so few characters in it too. Like one thing that I I really don't like about this movie is Denzel and Raimi focus in on one suspect like it they talk about how long they've had this serial killer murderer guy going around committing these murders and they've had it they've had so many dead bodies show up it's been such a long amount of time and then we have no suspects and then they just focus in on jared leto almost immediately and exclusively and they don't care about anyone else that is so strange to me. It's like, why would you focus in on one guy? Like, it's the I, it's me, that it's like, that hunt. It's the, the because the movie needed it. The movie needed the hunch, and then because movie, that's all they needed was okay. Well, and we paid Jared Leto, so I, I guess we're only going to worry about him. I I feel like the movie could have gained so much by having multiple suspects they weed through, and then they get to Jared Leto, like. Yeah, maybe they've got three or four, maybe five people that they're focusing on, but Jared Leto's the one that sticks out, and they they kind of focus in on him, but they're also weeding through these other guys. Instead, it's, we have no suspects, and then it's, I went to this one store, and they said these are the, the repairmen that they have, and then Jared Leto. Yep. That's, they just land on Jared Leto, and it goes from discovering who, uh, who committed these murders to just proving Jared Leto did it. Right. And that's that there's no real mystery. 
I think it's I think it was thought about I think what John was thinking was like not so much about like the mystery but more about like the payoff. Like if we just jump straight to the ending because that really I think it was more of the thought process of like trying to t- not so much tell a, like a true crime story like in the sense of like this is how the procedural would go. It was more about like Denzel well, no, no, was no, no. broken. I don't, I don't need it to be mm-hmm. I don't need it to be a procedural but you're selling this as a murder mystery movie. A murder mystery drama of oh my god, is we're trying to find a killer and then this is our main suspect. Well, yeah, it's turns out he's your main suspect because he's your only person you think might have done this. Right. That's a huge problem for me. You're not weeding through a mystery. You're just like, oh my god, who did this? We think it was Jared Leto. We're positive it's him. Like that's your jump. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying is it's not the John clearly was not about like the mystery. The mystery is a part of it, but really it's. The fact that this serial killer inadvertently, well, I I guess inadvertently, he's now broken both of these people. I think that's the bigger thing he wanted us to take away from it was that the obsessiveness of both Denzel and Rami Malek both literally broke them and but ruined Denzel's lives, well, almost ruined Rami's life. I think that I think that you, I think that you was can, more on his can, mind. You can achieve. You can achieve your goal and still and still have a bad idea, and I think that's my point. Is, <laughs> yeah, fine. If that's his, if that's his goal, fine. You achieved it. It's it's still a bad idea. Oh yeah, like, no, it's Zodiac. <laughs> Zodiac was great because it 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 shows them weeding through who they think did it. Prisoners is great because there's like the first the first suspect, and then there's like three other people they suspect of doing it. They weed them out, and uh, after weeding out the first suspect. Turns out it was his caretaker aunt who had something to do with it, not the first suspect. They were close in the beginning. Well, it's funny you um, say prisoners. Prisoners kind of, in this sense, had its cake and eat it too, because Jake Gyllenhaal was doing the doing the rounds, like not just jumping on Paul Dano, and then uh, uh, Hugh Jackman did jump on Paul Dano. So he kind of did both of those things instead of what this yeah. movie does. <laughs> well, that's the other thing too. Like in the end. <sighs> I don't know which part of the ending you're really wanting to discuss, but I'm I'm going to talk about the shovel scene. In the end, when Rami Malek snaps, he has like an instance earlier in the movie where he like yells and punches a car door or something. And I just remember sitting there and I was like, that's so out of character for him because he's so calm and cool. You never see a moment where he seems like he's trying to hold it together. And then he's just sitting in the car and he's like, Bah! And he punches a door. Dude, thank you. And then, yes, and, yes. This is a big problem I have with the, the ending. Yeah. And then at the end, he's just standing there, and um, uh, Jared Leto says something like, you're irrelevant, and I know what your family looks like, or something like that. And he just turns around and just smacks him in the face with a shovel. Now, granted, from the time that I saw Jared Leto on screen, I'm like, someone just needs to hit him in the head and just hit him a bunch. And then he'll be afraid to mess with him. And then he'll go be weird somewhere else. Grant, he dies. But, like, yeah, someone should have hit him from the moment he came on screen. But just seeing Rami Malek of all – like, Denzel Washington – would have been would have made much more sense, and then not only would it would it have made much more sense, the fact that he shot the third victim in that one murder, like or double murder or whatever, like twenty five years earlier, would have made more sense. Of he's he tries to portray himself as the as the old veteran and in control, but he's also 
got a human reaction and his human reactions can lead him wrong. So if Denzel Washington were to snap and hit him with the shovel and then he has a flashback to the time that he got startled and shot the third victim of that one murder. Yeah, it would make much more sense. Instead, you put calm, cool, collected Rami Malek, who the one time he snapped, it was out of character. And the second time he does it, it's even more out of character because, like, you're honing in on something that's wrong. It, it, yeah, it's, this it is, does not work. This is the this is the issue I ha- this is the main issue I have with the ending. The the second half of the ending I do want to talk about too, like the 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 last big twist. But I, you were pointing out everything yeah. that I have an issue with with the first half of the ending. It is so unearned. It doesn't make any sense how Rami Malik got to this point because we don't see anything any real signs like yeah we, we we get little moments of just like oh another roadblock oh another roadblock but they don't feel like it's it, it, they don't feel like it that feels, this was enough like, to it push like him. it doesn't feel like it was enough to justify happens, what he did and all jared said was just i saw you on the internet i know you had a family like that's a massive escalation that's a massive overreaction compared to the way that he was acting the rest of the movie where he's just kind of frustrated like it didn't seem like that was quite enough little things to play with the title that didn't seem like that was enough little things it, to to to, ex- to have me just accept oh i guess that was all it took to snap and kill him and go against all his instincts like <laughs> that was just so weird rami malik rami malik and in, in the end of the movie does a lot of things that don't make sense with his character like uh, all those roadblocks that you mentioned that he hits feels like he would just go Okay, we have to find another angle because I'm still convinced it's this guy. Mm-hmm. And he kind of does. And then that one scene in the car, he's like, ah, door interior panel. And he punches it. Like, <laughs> what? Why did he Why did he snap? And the other thing, too, if Denzel were the one to snap, if and if Denzel were there and he snapped and Rami Malik watched, he could see the person that is his mentor that he's holding up in this high regard is very flawed because then he goes, all right, I know exactly what to do in this situation. Here's how we dispose of the body. Here's how we dispose of his things. Here's what we do. And, and no one's the wiser. He could see that his mentor is flawed and that would make him, uh, the textbook clear coat guy realize that this world that he's in is full of flawed characters and people that aren't going to, and the job doesn't get done the proper way every single time. And it's a growth experience for him. Instead, he's emotionally tore up because of what he did. And then Denzel Washington shows up. He's like, Oh crap. I know what to do is it's, it doesn't, it, it, what Denzel Washington does is within character, but the fact that what Rami Malek was out of character for him and instead should have been Denzel is what I have a problem with. It's, it's completely unearned, like trying to have this parallel, like, Oh, you're going down the same path as me. Like it doesn't, it doesn't really earn that yeah. in any single way up to the it, up to that point of the movie. It's, it's more of a it's more of a stark contrast of you're going down the same path as me because if he sees Denzel do that and he's like, "Whoa, that's I'm not okay with this, but it happened." Then yeah, it's a it's a bigger character development moment uh, it, rather than just having him club a guy in the head with a shovel. Yeah, that would have been a more shocking twist to see Denzel con- continue with this obsession and can continue the destructive behavior because of this destruction. And then yeah, like you said, that snaps Rami out of this spiral, which wasn't even like that bad of a spiral anyway. It was just really a bad. It was just a bad case. We never got the sense that like he was really going towards that direction, or at least I never got that sense that he would actually snap and kill Jared Leto in cold blood. 
yeah, and then like the end of the the end end of the movie, which I know that you yes. you've talked about that you really want to discuss. Yeah, yeah. Um, where basically Rami Malek in a scene where they're going for, I think they're going for what Jake Gyllenhaal was doing in Prisoners, but instead they just make Rami Malek seem like a closeted serial killer. Where he's sitting with one of the victim's parents, and they go, she always wore a red barrette in her hair. And then uh, uh, Denzel Washington tells Raimi about he was, uh, he found this, like, secret cupboard. I don't know what the right word, secret stash It's uh, um, in the floorboard of Jared Leto's house. I used to know what those were called. I can't remember offhand anymore. It's just, like, a big hole in the floor that he took that same piece of wood and remade it like a door. I, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Um, but, uh, he goes, yeah, I saw his, like, he had his, he had trinkets in there and he goes, was there a red barrette? And he goes, I don't know, but if you can get me five more minutes, I can tell you. And at the end of the movie, Rami Malek gets a package after Denzel Washington does a bunch of stuff to help clean up and help him get away with it. And then his wife goes, Hey, this package was dropped off for you from this one officer by Denzel Washington's character. And it's, he opens it up and it's got a red barrette in it. And it's like, it, it they try and give you like a double cross in this where, because I remember before this scene happened, I was like, I know Dan and I are going to have the discussion of, do you think Jared Leto did it? And I was like, and I think my answer is going to be, I don't care either way <laughs> because of how much I dislike the movie. Like, at the end of the day, I really don't care if his character did it because I just didn't like the movie. Like, really, I don't care if his character did it. I don't need this closure in my life. And Denzel Washington uh, sent him a red barrette. And it's like, oh, okay, so Jared Leto did it. And then we see Denzel Washington uh, throwing everything in a burn barrel that was Jared Leto's. And he throws a package of hair barrettes. And it's like, here's a green one. Here's the purple one. Here's the, here's the blue one. And then the, the red one is missing out of that package and he throws it away and burns it. And it's like, oh, he gave him closure, even though he didn't find the red barrette in there. And I was like, really, movie? You needed to throw that? Like, who cares at this point? Dude, I actually thought that was Jared. Jared. Mm-hmm. Jared Leto's dead. And you're, you're never going to get you're never going to get like a true answer out of if he did it or not, because he still could have killed her without taking the red hair barrette. See, that is a fact. I the way I took it was and I think this I would I would bet this is how he wanted me to take it even though yes you are technically right that is not actually tangible proof but I think I it didn't redeem the movie in the for its rating for me but I do admit I kind of was impressed that uh the ending went the way that it did because Rami now is living potentially living with all this guilt and it, it's looking like he's now going to start going on either this path of Denzel or just a, even more, like, self-destructive. Like, literally, we're like, he, I, I, I don't know, more or less the same thing. But Denzel gives, in this act of kindness, some closure, even though, and this is where I think John Hancock wants us to interpret it this way, even though I think, no, Jared didn't do it, and Denzel knows that Jared didn't do it, but Rami was so convinced he did it, it, he destroyed his career over it, and even though he was wrong, Denzel couldn't let him think he was wrong, and this is the only moment that he can, or the only way that he can try and save this guy so he doesn't ruin his life like he did. 
So I kind of like that ending. I I agree with you. I think that was the purpose. But I'll circle back to my point before of you can achieve what you were trying to do and still have something suck. Oh, yeah. No, this it movie just, still it sucks. So, <laughs> it, just, it just feels so undeserved for this movie because the rest of it's so bad. Like, if the movie was done good and that, like, I think they did that and they did it well at the end of the movie. But the problem is, like I said, I dislike the movie so much. I didn't care if Jared Leto did it because either way, I just don't care. I just want the movie over. Like thinking, thinking back to how COVID has changed things. And this was brought up on lights, camera, bars. So I, and I, I thought it was a very good point. Looking back at how COVID changed things um, right now, we would be finishing up what, we referred to uh, as something that was brought up on red letter media of you. It's January. And by the way, uh, almost 50 minutes in first swear at it. Um, this is totally one of those kind of January movies, by the way, I think even without COVID, they still would have dumped this in January. <laughs> but well, what I mean is this movie, we watch this on HBO max, right? Yes. HBO max. <laughs> I love that. You already forgot remember. that. But but what I'm getting what I'm getting at is so this is a Warner Brothers movie that went out to HBO Max. First of all, Warner Brothers, that logo redesign. Boo? Yes, um, massive boo. I want second, the old logo back. Yeah, why do you need that to why do you need it to be sleek and futuristic? Cuz um, we're AT&T and the, we want to be the, yeah. <laughs> You had you had one of the few iconic logos that barely ever changed. Um that's like, I'm not even going to make a comparison, um, but they, they, they would have dumped this in theaters and me and you would have had AMC A-list. It's still technically um, in theaters, and by just the had way. This... Huh? It's still technically in theaters right now. We could have saw this in a theater. Okay. But, but you get my point of. Right, right. Yeah. If COVID hadn't happened and they didn't have this big push of, all right, we're going to start dumping so much on streaming channels, it would have been theaters only. Um, and we would have had AMC A-list, but general people would have had to pay regular admission tickets. And it's like, you know what? I'm glad I didn't have to pay other than the subscription service I already had to see this movie because this would have been one where I would have got home from the movies and I would have just like been like it's one of those things where like it ends and i'm like man am i glad i didn't go to the theaters for that and that's that is part of my point with the argument about you know going to the theater or putting movies to streaming is nothing about this movie screams this needs to be seen in theaters like you talk about the cinematography if you're to stay home and watch this on a you know like your home TV that you love the picture quality on, like we've got our four K's that are, you know, 65, 70 inches, four K TVs. Watch it for the visuals. Yeah, it's great. I, I'm perfectly content with it. Oh yeah. No, nothing I was in the, nothing yeah. in this, nothing in the sound design. There's no, there's no effects there that uh, I feel need to be seen in theaters. Like nothing screams. This needs to be seen in theaters. And that's kind of my point of, just because you made a film doesn't mean it needs to be in theaters right now. Like, well, right. This, right now, this, right now, this yeah. kind of, this doesn't need to be in theaters period. <laughs> and I don't, and I don't mean, and I don't mean that on, this is such trash, but like, what would draw you to a theater for this movie? The best part of this movie is that Denzel Washington 
is the best thing in this movie. And it's not so much that his acting performance isn't great. His acting performance is good. It's just, he's a whatever character. Like, so much else in this movie. The characters' interactions in this movie. They have relationships because the movie says they need to. Nothing feels natural in this movie. Uh, there is a plot line with the coroner that feels, in the beginning of the movie, feels like it's about to be super well-developed. It gets five minutes of screen time after the first hour. I love that actress, though. The woman that played that forensics person, um, I'm trying to... She did good. I can't I can't find her name, but, uh, God, she was awesome. I, I wish she actually had more screen time, because her and Denzel's chemistry was so Me too. good. Me too. I found her very charming, with especially with Denzel, to act off Denzel, but... What I'm saying is, like, nothing about this movie made me go, I wish I saw that on the big screen. Like, Ford vs. Ferrari, that sound design, I wanted to go see it in a theater. Um, Kong vs. Godzilla, the visuals, we want to go see it in a theater. Like, you need to have something that draws me to go see this in a theater. And this is one of those movies where it's like, I don't need to see this on the big screen. I can watch it at home on my home theater. This movie really is the epitome of why putting movies to theaters and streaming same day is a good idea. Because if I would have had to go to a theater and, you know, we weren't doing this show, but I paid, what does an AMC movie ticket cost? Because I've only ever done, done A-list in the past, like, five years with AMC. Is it, like, 13, 15 bucks? I, it, it's all, it, it varies state to state because it was more expensive in New York. But the, let's let's just like split in the middle and say like tickets are roughly like $14.50, $15. Yeah. Okay. So if I would have had to go to a theater and pay 15 bucks for this, I would have been like, I did not get my money's worth. I only, I only disagree in principle just because, I mean, you know me. I, I think just every... Yeah, you'll, mo- die, you'll die on this hill without a, without a gun. You'll be... Well, no, every uh, every movie... Andrew, Andrew Garfield in that one war movie, if I'm going to go fight the Second World War on this hill, but I'm not going to take a weapon. I'm not disagreeing that a that an in-theater and home simul release is a bad idea. I actually think that's a great idea. I, I like the... I, I, I like that's the, what I mean. I like the if you're going to put that. it in theaters, I should have the opportunity to watch it at home if I feel like it doesn't deserve having me go out to a theater and spend money on it. it like, let me watch it at home from the comfort of there right and that's a that's a philosophical that's a philosophical disagreement that we have because i i just movies am wrong no movies (laughs) the, the the point of a movie obviously without a pandemic in the in it a point of a movie is to be given the chance to be in a movie theater with a captive audience and try to bring them into a world that you cannot replicate at home i mean one could argue home theaters like but that's beside the point i'm trying to make i i just fundamentally and philosophically believe that every movie you say one could when you should say nick could (laughs) the the the, a movie being shown in a theater just i think is how it should be done and in any other kind of circumstance if a movie is available for me to be to see it in a theater i'm gonna go because that's how a movie to me should be given its opportunity to win me over whether it does or not that's a whole nother argument also whether it achieved it or not that obviously is movie to movie but given the opportunity to be there is the only thing that i will stand wholeheartedly with but that said though having the home release for everybody so you have the best of both worlds you get the exposure no matter what now that we've done two movies like this wonder woman and this it is a great idea. You're happy because you go home. 
or you stay at home, I'm happy if I want to go to the theater or hell, I still see the movie because I'm at home and I didn't have to use gas or anything. Like, yeah, it is a it is a win win. That's my that's my point is give me give me the option of where I want to consume the movie. And this to me is one of those movies where this is the epitome of why I say, let me watch this from home because I see no intrinsic value in seeing this in a theater. Well, let's add this factor into it, too. This specific this specific mm -hmm. movie. Let's add this factor into it, though, because we're lucky with HBO. You just pay the fee, and then it's on the service. What if we were adopting more movies that we had to rent? Say it's the $15, the $20. Not like we waited four months, and now it's, like, discounted to, like, 7 bucks or 5 bucks, like Fat Man was. What if we still paid 20 bucks at home instead of 20 bucks at a movie theater? It goes back to the thing that I've been talking about where they need to figure out a distribution method for it. But that is the distribution method. You go on Prime and you pay 20 bucks. I, I was inhaling to finish my point. I was out of breath. What I'm saying is the distribution method, like AMC, figure out how to do A-list where I pay you what, like, I think my normal thing is like 20 bucks. I pay you either X amount per, per movie or X amount more per month where I still get my three movies in whatever format I want, but that also includes being able to stream it from home rather than go to a theater. So no on... I would do that. So no on just the... So so it would still be relatively the same somewhat, like with if without that specialty. If, without that specialty. That's all I was asking. Like specialty is the specialty, but like... If it, if it was 20... If it was $20 every single movie, I'd have a problem with it. Yes, that was but what... But if you can yes. find out a way to where it's not $20 every single movie... Okay. That was... Yeah, that direct answer was the only thing I was trying to ask. Because yes, I agree with you. If they... It's, it feels like a far-fetched dream right now that they would do that at home when it took this long to get it just in a freaking movie theater. But, <laughs> but yeah, no, just the $20 to not even own the movie. That's all I was asking about. <laughs> yeah. Um, back to this specific movie, I've kind of hit on everything I want to discuss with it um, other than Nicolas Cage. Who would you cast Nicolas Cage to be in this and why? Uh, there. This was another one where casting Nicolas Cage just didn't stand out to me. Like I tried to think about it because I wasn't as invested in the I movie. Agree. <laughs> but it was I hard. I agree, but I actually find it hard just because there's like six characters that are on screen. There's very few people in this movie. Few few significant people. Like there are like a lot of background characters and people that say like three lines, but yeah, in terms of like worth Nicolas Cage's time, yeah, it's very hard to snuff out one specific person. <laughs> I would say I want Nick Cage to be honestly probably Jared Leto. Hmm. Just because if I'm going to watch someone be crazy and not be afraid of them, let me watch Nicolas Cage. It would just depend on how young Nicolas Cage or how old Nicolas Cage would be. Like if we had a relatively younger, like, 90s, like, leaving Las Vegas Nicolas Cage, I would want him to replace Rami Malek. But if we had Nicolas Cage, like, right now, I I guess the 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 head of the police department that Rami works for, I the couple scenes that he's in, but I, I don't know. Like, I'm more enthusiastic about a young Nick Cage jumping back in time to be in this movie and just replace Rami. I, 
I really don't have a great answer besides that because watching this the whole time, I'm just like, God, Nick Cage could just, this just doesn't, nothing works where we could make this joke. I can't, I'm sorry, listeners. It's just, this was a hard pick this week. Yeah, it's, this movie, I, I don't know if disappointment's the right word because I, I messaged you a few days before I actually watched the movie of like, hey, we need to have this on the show. I don't know if disappointment's the right word, but this movie just feels like it leaves so much potential on the table. Like, man, you've got some really good range actors. You've got a very interesting premise. And you just kind of give, like, the most middle of the road of everything in this movie. Yeah, it didn't... It, it would have just been a a January whatever I guess I have I guess we have to go to the movies like it's it's so it's so pedestrian it doesn't and it's not worth the time of any of the talent that's in this and I I'm it makes me so split with this director because like I I've heard the rookie is good and I like the Alamo and I've, I've heard he makes great movies but I've I've seen this in the blind side and I'm not a fan of either of them so I kind of don't want to see anything else this guy makes <laughs> Dan, Dan is gonna um. <laughs> Dan is going to see this guy's name come up before a movie, right before review, and he's like, "No, dude, I literally his, when we his, <laughs> I literally thought that like when I looked him up after I saw the trailer the first time, and I was like, oh god, this is the the director of The Blind Side. Damn it! <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't as bad as that. Yeah, though. I just. Here's the thing. We've complained about this movie a lot, and it's it's not that this movie is just horrible, but there's just nothing to really commend it for. Yeah, it's it's the it, no, this is the epitome of a single brownie. Like this is what the single brownie was made for, for movies exactly like this that are not so bad that we're going to remember it later. But it's there's like a good thing that we will, will remember now. But I guarantee you by March, we'll just go, oh, yeah, we did watch the little things. Yeah, it's going to be interesting Like when we come to our top five and top ten worst of the year. I highly doubt this makes either of our lists, especially since the fact that, that we didn't give it our lowest rating. But the fact that we're going to have to see this movie because it's one of our lower ratings we can give, where we're like, the little things. What was that movie? Oh, yeah, that movie that just wasn't bad but wasn't freaking good at anything. Every, everything on my top ten worst list from last year was probably worse than this i i'm i'm willing to guarantee yeah. it <laughs> i will i will say this this is this is one of those movies where it's a higher single brownie in that it's not downright awful but i cannot bring myself to give it a half pan it it, it doesn't deserve that it only does a few things well and the rest of it is just okay yeah i this is squarely a single brownie for me. Like, I, <laughs> no ifs, ands, or buts about it. It is not one of the, it's probably not going to be one of the worst films we saw this year, but there is not enough to justify a full pan for this. Even though I kind of like the second twist ending and I like the first hour of the movie, kind of. No, it's a, it's a single brownie. You can, you can let this my, pass you by when it expires. My, my, my best recommendation to anyone that is considering watching this movie, um, and I should have said this at the top, is, Think of any movie you can in this film genre and then go watch that because it's better. Watch True Detective on HBO instead of this because True Detective is... Watch Prisoners. 
yeah, or Zodiac. Watch, you said Zodiac. Zodiac. Watch Prisoners. Mm-hmm. Watch Watch Seven. Watch Zodiac. What? Literally. Watch Silence of the Lambs. Watch literally anything. Yeah. Other than this movie, and you'll have a good time. You're gonna have a bad time. <laughs> well, I'm tapped out now. Yeah, um, I'm 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 done. Cool. I I am too. So. We're going to take a very brief break, and then when we come back, we are going to talk about Marvel's epic Infinity War. We'll be right back. All right, everybody, that is it for our thoughts on the little things. And I'm proud of myself for not making one joke about uh, the small things, calling it that instead. Uh, <laughs> that whole episode. <laughs> uh, but yes, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you to Isla Marfin of Fugay for the bumper music. Fugay. There it is. <laughs> thank you to Isla Marfin of Fugay for the bumper music. Our second film here for our special 100th week of the show. Nick, as always, you pick a time machine. But for this special time machine, where are we going to go? We're going to go to one of the last biggest films before we started recording the show. Uh, This movie, I wouldn't say was the inspiration for us being like, all right, we we have to get on mics and talk about this stuff. But this was one of the ones where Dan and I discussed this movie quite a bit at length before we ever did the show. Uh, Avengers Infinity War 2018, 2019. 18, almost no, had it. 2018. <laughs> 2018's uh, Avengers Infinity War. The first part of the two-part finale to whatever phase of Marvel that was. Yes, the it, the start of the end of Phase 3, Avengers Infinity War. You know everybody in it. Robert Downey Jr., Chris Evans, Josh Brolin, everybody and their mother is in this movie. And we're going to be talking about it on Thursday in case you don't know, it's on Disney+, Plus because of course it is. So you can watch it there to join along if you don't already own it, which probably a lot of you do. Nick, remind everybody where they can reach out to us with their thoughts beforehand. Uh, Facebook, Brownie Points Guide to Cinema. Instagram, Brownie underscore points underscore guide. And Twitter, at Brownie underscore cinema. As well as Brownie Points Guide to Cinema at gmail.com. And at, or whatever... Deep brownies 49 or whatever dance uh red box or letter box whatever it is um, deep brownies i did deep brownie I, I 49 did on make, letterbox. I, <laughs> I technically did make an account just so i could follow dan um i have not posted anything and i don't remember what my username is but i'm on there too um and then leave <laughs> us uh ratings and reviews on whatever platform you listen to us on the highest ones that you can leave us is good i'll start reading those on the air when we start getting some bump Yes, and uh, feel free to email us your thoughts on the little things, too. I didn't say that before I handed it off to Nick. Feel free to email us about everything. So (laughs) with that, thank you for listening again. We will always be here in your ears on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Anchor.com, and all other major podcasting platforms here in the United States and across the globe. Wear your mask, wash your hands, be empathetic towards each other, take care of each other, and that is the only way that we will make 2021 better than 2020 that is all we got for you on this segment we'll be back thursday with the avengers infinity war we'll be right back
Um, so we're now, you know, in triple digits and I feel like we need to start doing the TB12 diet. That way we have a chance to go to the Super Bowl, even though America is sick and tired of seeing us. You mean not, not for doing the podcast in our forties? Like we're going to go to the Super Bowl. (laughs) God, if we're still doing this in our (laughs) forties. Why not? Why not? It's Jared, look at me, I'm so weird. Ooh, I'm weird, Leto.